0: points out distinctly the idiosyncratic action of antimony and other medicinals on certain constitutions as conferring on an ordinary medicinal dose a poisonous instead of a curative action. I have a copy of his work now before me, in which he says that daily experience teaches us that some persons are more powerfully affected than others by an ordinary dose of opium, arsenic, antimony, and other substances, and again in considering the probable amount of the fatal dose, he speaks of that ever-varying condition of idiosyncrasy in which, as it is well known, there is a state of constitution more liable to be affected by antimonial compounds than other individuals apparently in the same conditions as to health, age, etc. I did not therefore, nor do I now, consider the sensitiveness of Madame R.'s constitution to that medicine any objection to her life, especially in view of the immense vitality shown by her recovery. With regard to the sleep-walking, I have had no hint from the Baron of such a propensity on the part of Madame R. Certainly, it was never suggested that she could have poisoned herself in that way. Indeed, the servant-girl admitted the act. The mode of Madame R.'s death does not in any degree shake my confidence in my former opinion, as such an occurrence might have happened, though by no means likely to do so, to any one in the habit of walking in their sleep, a propensity which in Madame R.'s case I had no means of ascertaining. I have been enabled to be thus precise in my statement, from the fact that the interesting nature of the case led me to make a special memorandum of it in my diary, from which the above is taken." I shall therefore have no difficulty in confirming any portion of it upon oath. Item 5. Statement of Mrs. Throgmorton Mrs.
1: Throgmorton presents her compliments to Mr. R. Henderson, and begs to inform him that the girl Sarah Newman, who is still in her service and continues to give entire satisfaction in every way, came to her about Christmas, 1854, with a written character from the Baron R., then residing at Bognor, and with whom she had been as housemaid and parlourmaid for some weeks. The character given by the Baron was a most satisfactory one, but on Mrs. Throgmorton's desiring to know the reason of Sarah Newman's leaving the situation, she was informed by the Baron that it was on account of her having played a foolish trick upon her late mistress by administering an emetic to her without authority. A highly reprehensible proceeding— which rendered Mrs. Throgmorton very much indisposed to receive her into her family. On further correspondence with Sarah Newman's late master, however, Mrs. Throgmorton received the impression that the fault had, in point of fact, been chiefly on the side of Madame R., though, of course, as a gentleman impossible to say so directly with respect to his own wife, and Mrs. Throgmorton therefore agreed to take Sarah Newman on trial, as she appeared truly penitent for her most reprehensible conduct, and has since proved a very valuable servant in every respect. Mrs. Throgmorton trusts that this information will be satisfactory to Mr. Henderson, as he appears interested in Sarah Newman's welfare, in whom Mrs. Throgmorton herself takes great interest. Clifton Mill. Item 6. Statement of Mr. Andrews. "'Sir, in reply to your letter of the 25th, Ultimo, I beg to inform you that the girl, Sarah Newman, certainly was in my service at Brighton for a month or two in the summer of 1854, but was discharged, I think, in September of that year for various petty thefts. She was a very interesting girl, and took us in completely.' but was accidentally discovered by one of our children, and after full proof of her delinquencies turned away without a character. My own wish was to prosecute her, which indeed I considered almost a duty to others by whom she might hereafter be plundered, but I was persuaded to relinquish my intention by my wife, who had taken a great fancy to her. About two months after her dismissal, a gentleman, who gave some German name I cannot now remember it, called to inquire our reasons for discharging her, and I then informed him of the whole case. He questioned me pretty closely as to my real opinion of the girl, stating that he was philanthropically disposed, and would give her a chance for reform if there was any likelihood of her availing herself of it. I told him frankly of my opinion, viz. that the girl was a hardened offender, but my wife was very eager that she should have another chance, and I have very little doubt the German gentleman took her. He was, so far as I remember, a stout, good-natured-looking man, and he had with him a young lady, whom he left in the carriage, and who was, he said, his wife. I think the name you mention, Baron R., is the same name as that given, or at least something like it, but cannot be quite sure. I am, dear sir, faithfully yours, Charles Andrews p s my wife begs me to ask that should you know anything of the after career of her protege you will kindly communicate it to us r henderson esq etc 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 clements inn w c
0: item seven statement of sarah newman n b this statement was not obtained without considerable difficulty and must be taken for whatever it may be worth the girl was naturally anxious to be secured against the possible consequences of her own admissions, and I only at last succeeded in inducing her to speak out by means of both a promise on the part of Mrs. Throgmorton not to discharge her, and a threat of police interference if she did not confess the whole truth. I have myself, no doubt, whatever of the correctness of her statement as it now stands, and it is, as you will see, corroborated in several very important particulars. But whether it could be produced before a jury, or, if it were so, what effect it would have upon their minds, are both very doubtful questions. R. H.
1: My name is Sarah Newman. I was in the service of Mr. Andrews at Brighton for three months. I was discharged by him for stealing tea and sugar. Mr. Andrews wanted to take the law off me, but my mistress would not let him. My mistress would have kept me on, but Master said no. She was always very kind to me and it was very ungrateful of me to rob her. I would never do so again. My present mistress is very kind to me, too. I have never robbed her of a pin. I declare to goodness I have not, nor I never will steal from nobody again. I have often wanted to tell Mrs. Andrews so since, but did not know where she was. I did not say it to her when I left. I felt quite hard-like because of master. I was out of place two months after that, no one would take me without a character at last a friend in bognor told me of a gentleman and i got her to speak to him it was the baron he came to see me one day when he was at brighton he insisted on knowing all about me where i'd been and why i'd left mr andrews he was very kind and said it was hard a poor girl should be ruined for one false step he said if i would promise never to steal again he would give me a trial i promised him faithfully and he at last took me down to Bognor with him. I do not know whether he made any inquiries about me. I think not. He did not tell me he had. I meant to keep my promise. Indeed I did, and I did keep it, almost. I mean, I only took one little thing, and I really did not think that was stealing. Nothing was ever locked up. The Baron always insisted on having the tea-chest and other things left open in case he wanted some. I never took any. I might have taken a great deal, but I did not. I used to think sometimes things were left on purpose to tempt me, but of course that was fancy. Often there were coppers left about, but I never touched them. I did take one thing, at last. I did not think it was stealing. It was only some orange marmalade. I am very fond of sweet things. One day there was a pot of orange marmalade. It was left on the table. It was after they had gone away from breakfast. I couldn't help it. It looked so nice. I just put in my finger, that was all. I declared to goodness that was all. I did not even taste it. The Baron came back and caught me. He did not say anything. He just shut the door close and walked straight up to me. I was so frightened I could not move. He took hold of my wrist and held at my hand. I burst out crying. He said it was no use crying. I had deceived him and must go. He said if he did his duty he ought to give me up to the police. I said indeed I had taken nothing but only that little taste of sweets. He said who would believe me with my character. He spoke very kind but very stern, and I was dreadfully frightened. I begged of him not to give me up, and he said he would give me one chance more, but I must go away. I said if he turned me out without a character I might as well drown myself at once. I begged him to let me stay, but he said that was impossible. Then I begged him not to say why I was sent away. He said what else should he say. I begged him again very hard. At last he said he would think over it. He said he would try and make some other excuse for my going, but I must go next day, positive. He told me if he did make an excuse for me to be very careful not to contradict him. I was very grateful to him. He is a kind good gentleman, and I shall always bless him for it. I did not go next day. I was kept by my mistress's illness. She was very bad indeed. I did all I could for her. I hoped the Baron had forgotten, and would let me stay. He sent for me two or three days afterwards. There was another gentleman with him. He was the doctor. He charged me with having given some stuff to my mistress to make her sick. Of course I denied it. I never gave her anything. I never had any quarrel with her at all. She was always very good-natured to me, but I did not like her much. I don't know why. I think it was because she did not like Master. I said I'd given her nothing, no more I had. I never saw the bottle, I don't know what it was, I cannot read at all. I saw Master look at me, and he said something about two or three days ago. I knew then that he was making an excuse to send me away. He made signs at me to abide by what he said, and I did abide by it. The other gentleman was very hard, but of course he did not know. What the Baron said was given as a reason for my going away, that was all. The real reason was my taking the marmalade. If you ask the Baron, he'll tell you so. I hope you'll tell him how grateful I am for his kindness to me. End of section 4